Welcome to the culture of safety. I like that dramatic pause <laughs> that you had right there. That was dramatic. That was different. And that's why I don't pause. open the show. That's why I let you <laughs> Yeah, because you're show. boring. Exactly. How you doing, Matt? Good. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing good. It's a, another hot day in Bakersfield. Uh, we're having some issues with uh, dealing with employees in the heat, you know, and that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is, you know, how to influence other people, especially the people below us. And something that, you know, a lot of us have maybe a little bit of experience in called leadership. And we actually have a guest in the studio today. You'd like to introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, my name is uh, Douglas Oaks. I am an operations manager for KBA Engineering. And I've been working in the oil and gas industry for 13 years uh, since I moved to California. Born and raised, uh, what some would consider Yankee land up in Ohio, Big Ten country. Mm. Big Buckeyes fan, big Cincinnati Reds fan. Uh, Bengals, Bengals as well. I say that a little bit more quietly over the past 30 years. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I went to school in Texas. Uh, first half of my professional career was actually ministry. Okay. Um, did a year and a half in Mexico City as an apprentice missionary there. I came back and finished my bachelor's and master's degree. Did some youth pastoring in, in Oklahoma. Uh, started my family in Oklahoma. Had a, a, about the time that my firstborn turned eight months old, my wife and I kind of looked up and said, uh, "We're kind of stranded here in the middle of the nation," and uh, didn't have that extended family support that we were longing for. Needed some free babysitting, and uh, amen to that. <laughs> so uh, we just we decided it was time for a change. Uh, she had finished her master's in school counseling, and uh, we just we uprooted came out here and lived with her parents for a few months while we built our, our first house and started our lives out here. So it was a pretty dramatic shift for me leaving, leaving ministry. And I had no idea what the future was going to entail, but, uh, <clears throat> I applied through act one mm -hmm. and, uh, took a timekeeping position for, a for another company here in town that was in oil and gas construction and, you know, began, began my journey. Uh, I discovered that uh, there was quite a need for leadership within the oil and gas industry, uh, people who could communicate, who could take the core values of a company and try to live consistently by those. Um, there were some technical skills that I had that that uh, allowed me to promote as well with you know, just building PowerPoints, presentations. Yeah. Uh, monitoring uh, data and, and putting those... Uh, putting those into a story framework that communicated well to a customer. And that was kind of the, that was kind of the journey from timekeeper to project controller scheduler to superintendent project manager. And then ultimately as an operations manager, the last uh, three or four years. So, so that's, that's as concise as I can be. There was a lot, a lot in between all of that, but it's been, it's been quite a journey. And uh, you know, from a faith, from my personal faith perspective you know god's hand was there through it all and and uh he, he put me in a place where i could support my family and be a person of influence for for quite a few people uh in the oil and gas industry over the last several years so i'm grateful for that so no, that's pretty awesome yeah uh, i didn't know that whole story from the beginning i mean i i know you uh at work so mm -hmm. that's how you got on the show but yeah i didn't know all that stuff from the beginning that's pretty cool to it's pretty cool to hear one thing that I do know is, I mean, I've worked with a lot of ops managers and you don't hear a lot of ops managers talk about leadership or some of the things that, that you talk about. You, you definitely, um, I wouldn't say it's a unique perspective, but you definitely have a lot of, uh, leadership things that you build into your own life, I think, and into your career and into the way you interact with people that I thought are really cool. And I think that's where a lot of people need to be heading, which is the reason that, uh, we, we wanted to get you on the podcast. Um, so really, how did you get into like the whole leader? So um, your master's and your bachelor's degree was in what it was in, uh, it was in bachelor's degree was theology. in Bible and ministry. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. My master's degree was also in theology. It's a master's of divinity, but okay. uh, one, of, one of the, it's actually a rather large master's degree. It's 84 hours. Oh, so geez. there were 28, 28 classes that I did over a course of about six years. 
but one of the things I appreciated about that is a very practical degree. Yeah, yes, it was it was Bible and theology, but it was also um, organizational leadership, understanding uh, how sy- systems function, how right. leaders need to function in those sim- systems. So pretty early on in my professional career, I I became a student of how you know organizations and bodies of people work together and yep. what what dynamics come into play as a result of, of those interactions. And uh, of course, there are definitely patterns uh, when you're working in a church that that uh, you know create a pretty interesting dynamic. Uh, one because every issue tends to be a very serious issue when it comes to your theology, even though I would argue that there are some issues that maybe shouldn't be elevated quite as much as they, they tend to be in, in certain conversations. But uh, having that in my background and then coming to um, you know the secular world, I saw the same issues. It, it's still a group of people, uh, <laughs> yeah. a system of people that are organized together and they have to deal with the struggles of implementing a vision, of setting goals and trying to hit them, of uh, dealing with the way things have always been, and and there are, there being a need for change. <laughs> and, what does that sound like? <laughs> and uh. there being an extreme resistance to that that change. It does so not I, sound like and none of that transfers to safety whatsoever. <laughs> none of that. So I saw, I mean, it was it was remarkable to see such similarities. It didn't matter whether you're working for the church or working uh, in oil and gas construction. The needs, the needs were the same. And so within about six or seven months of that first year out here in oil and gas, uh, I told my wife, I was like, you know, there's, you know, I, I could see I could see how I could fit in and, and influence people uh, in it, even in a. Even in an organization that, to be honest, uh, you know, I'll just freely admit, I didn't even know what a flange was when I came out here yeah, 13 years ago. A lot so, of people don't. I mean, I, I had to, uh, I definitely had to learn from the ground up and, and face some of the challenges of, of promoting really, really ahead of my experience in the oil and, and gas field. So, uh, that was, that presented its own challenges. I, you know, uh, forcing yourself to, re- you know, continue to remain humble, um, and ask questions, even though technically I was in a position where I was already supposed yeah, to know it all right. That. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I learned the dynamic of just leaning on sub, you know, surrounding myself with really great people leaning on their expertise, but also realizing that, uh, there's a particular reason why I was in that role as a leader. And I didn't need to apologize for that. I just needed to kind of stay in my lane and, and, you know, be, you know, one body, many parts, right? We've all right. got our role to fill and, and just do the best that you can and, and what you're good at. So, Nope, that makes complete sense. Yeah, so I mean, we have a, a bunch of questions for you. Like, I mean, I hear, I mean, one of my favorite things is I hear value. That's one of my biggest things is is I think that all all companies have a quote-unquote value, but what you expressed was not just having those values, but trying to obtain them and try to follow them. And that's something that I see a lot of companies that I've ever worked for is, you know, I always look up and they have the big old chart and they have all their values and their vision and all this other stuff. And then you, you actually work there for five, six months and you're like, you guys don't follow any of these things. So you guys just kind of you know we call it strategic management um and it's it's just funny how very few people have these leadership skills and i i personally believe that leadership is is super important but why why is leadership important to you what what makes it you know one of the most you know in integral parts of what you do so you know if you just look at the basic definition of a leader it's it's someone who is going to um because of their presence, things are going to be are going to be different. They're going to bring they're going to bring change. It's not just a position or a title, um, although some people treat it that way. Yeah. But it, in its in its core essence, a, a a leader is making things happen that would not happen if they weren't in that position. Um. So they've got to they've got to know the they've got to know the landscape. They've got to have a high level of self awareness. They've got to be able to. Uh, to take these words that are on a paper a lot a lot of times or maybe plastered on a wall like right. you said and uh and and really bring integrity to those words um i did an exercise at my former company uh, a few years back where we took those words that were on a paper and you know our core values and they were they were broken down into you know several you know declarations uh that that articulated this is who we are as a company 
And I asked him, I said, because you've got two types of values. You've got, you've got operational values that are right. actually being implemented and, and people can see evidence of those values in your daily operations. Uh, and then you have aspirational values, the ones that you wish that you had, but if you're really honest with where things are today, they, they, right. they don't exist. Right. And that, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it wasn't done in order to, um, slander or condemn our organization for their lack of follow-through but it was a needed exercise for us to admit that just because these things are written on a piece of paper doesn't mean that we've arrived right, right. uh and when, not done yeah, yet yeah you gotta fix it a lot of work to do yeah <laughs> and when we did that exercise we found out that you know maybe 20 percent of what we had on paper was actually in operation and the rest of it was was totally an aspirational system right and and a leader has to be able to be honest about the current state of affairs and then figure out a way strategically to, uh, to implement those. Yeah. I mean, I would, maybe I should qualify a good leader needs to figure right. out. Well, and that's, and that's one, something that I've gotten into is I've told people is that a leader is just anybody who has people following them. I think yep. there's an old Chinese proverb that says a leader who has no followers is just out for a walk. And so I think any anybody's truly a leader. If you have kids, your kids are going to follow you. But like you said, a good leader, and that's the, that's why I tell you know the people that I try to influence is don't be a leader. Being a leader is okay, whatever. Being a good leader, being you know, if you go through the the different levels, you know, being a four or a f level five leader, that's more important because that's when you're doing positive influence and you're making your 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 company or organization better. Cause I'm sure we've all dealt with bad leaders and you can tell a bad leader. I've always told people, you can always tell a bad leader just by the way they interact with their subordinates. If you know, they're the ones leading the conversation and they're the ones coming up with all the ideas, there's something wrong. You know, if you have a group of five or six people underneath you and you're the one talking, something's wrong. You are not, the, you mean you are the leader, but you're a bad leader. Yeah. Right. You're not inspiring your people to greatness. You're just, okay, well, I have to just follow whatever this guy says, because like you said, he's a positional leader. I'm the boss. You do what I say. And unfortunately for a lot of people, that's like, that's as much as you're going to get. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I think there's, you know, when I look at, um, uh, what I've seen represented in a lot of places, um, in this industry is, what I would consider managers rather than leaders. <laughs> I hate um, that. And there's, Honestly, I hate there's that word a manager. Huge, and there's obviously there's a need for management. We've <laughs> got to have dashboards. We've got to, you know, we've got to you know where we stand. We, we can't stay in business if we're not responsible, you know, financial stewards and, right. and hold our people accountable to, you know, different measures, whether they be quality or, you know, safety or productivity measures. But, that's that's the what that you have to do. The, to me, the the how behind uh, behind the position is what you do as a leader. Right. And, and and if you if you do that in the right way, you can you can hold on to those management tools, but you deliver them to your people in a way that it it aligns with with the vision and the goals of the organization. And it doesn't become something that you browbeat your people with. A man a manager will will take that, and that will be. That will be what they lead with, right? right. You've got to hit this target. Um, a, a, a leader, a leader will lead with the vision, and we'll and we'll talk about why uh, we need to achieve these goals, and we'll outline the behaviors that it's going to take to get there. And then at the back end, we'll say, "Here, look at how well you're doing because you're so sold out to right. our values and our vision." It's like it's like we talk about in some of our other episodes. Buy-in. Yeah. You know, if as a leader or as a, as a manager, depending on how you want to define it. If you don't have buy-in from your employees, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. And I know if you look up the meme, it's got a picture of like the boss up front versus the boss behind, you know. And it's always it's always seems like the bad ones are always trying to push their people. It's always a constant struggle. Like, no, if you're a good leader, your people will go out and and do the stuff for you. So I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you've got plenty of of leadership stories, but do you have one in? Um, in particular that you kind of like, as you were learning about, you know, leadership, you had like an incident where you're like, Oh wow. Like an aha moment. Wow. That, you know, this leadership stuff really does actually work. Oh, um, I'll, I'll give one, one illustration. Um, and I guess this is, this is generic. It's not too specific, although I do have a couple of, uh, of faces in mind. <laughs> um, it, it's just, the, the insecurity that can exist. So, um, 
one of one of the things that I've seen is is we tend to promote people based on performance, based on how well they hit their their targets, whether it was audits or financial targets or this, right. that, and the other. And and we'll promote the high performers at a certain level without paying any attention whatsoever to to what is really required from the characters and from the character and leadership side of that next level in the yeah. organization. And and let's face it, there are certain steps in our organizations that once you once you leave this role and move to the next, you're talking about a completely different skill set that's required of that particular role. Right. And there's we've had a history of not paying as close enough attention to what that skill set is as we should. And so we, we, we promote the high performers. Maybe they've been here the longest, you know, they'll, they'll go and they'll do anything for us, but we're not paying attention to whether or not they can actually succeed with and, the qualities that are required. Getting other people to do it. And so what happens when you put somebody like that is they've, they've, <clears throat> they have in some ways they, they've, they've, they've earned it, right? They've given their time and they've given all this, but they've, <clears throat> they've worked hard to get to a position that they're really just not skilled at doing. Right. And it, and it comes with a lot of insecurities. If you, if you've been asked to do something that you know, you're not capable of doing, uh, it, it brings a lot of insecurities into that leader. And what I've seen a number of times and, and is, is that particular leader will create incredible amounts of anxiety in the organization. They will, they will do their best to make sure that nobody else beneath them uh, is a threat yes, to that sir. role. Um, they will overfunction. They will get into the weeds. There will be no, there will be no idea that is good except their own idea that yes, comes sir. out of that organization. And you end up having high turnover. You end up having more safety incidents. You have an entire workforce that is completely dissatisfied about coming to work every yep. day. Uh, so the con the consequences may not they may not show up on the dashboards. Mm -hmm. I mean, they I think eventually they will, but a lot of times those organizations somehow continue to hit targets. Well, yeah, you know, like you said, we're for we're we're ensuring because you know it's a it's a target and we're, we're we're watching right the numbers the numbers are the ones we need to hit, and if we're not hitting those numbers, then obviously that individual those groups of people are gonna get a little bit more attention, and that's why I always tell people again. Go into a meeting, watch, watch what happens, watch the interaction, especially amongst different departments. Watch what, let me sit back. I always tell people step back and really watch what's going on. What's being said, what isn't being said. You know, it's when you see a group of people and they're like, why, why do we have to sit there and physically force them to bring new ideas out? That's, that's, that's not. And I think yeah. that's what you're trying to allude to is it, it can be very damaging. Yeah. On paper, we're doing fantastic. We're hitting all our marks, but in reality, you know, you know this as well as I do is when we're going through a vision, we're trying to make the company better, faster, more efficient. I want to do less work. I'm lazy. I've done <laughs> I've done my fair share of work. I've worked out in the fields. I've worked out in an ambulance. I've done physical labor out in the heat. I'm tired of doing that stuff and I don't want to do that no more. I try to find quicker, faster ways of doing the same stuff. But like you said, if if I'm not motivating my employees to to take responsibility for um for our values and our system and our leadership, then it's going to, like you said, fall apart. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a, a great, um, uh, a great idea. What about you, Matt? You ever had an aha moment? Uh, no, I mean, actually exactly what Doug explained. I think we've actually talked about almost identically on this show. Uh, I mean, on the show, on this podcast, where even if you look at it from a safety standpoint, you could have an extremely good safety person in the field and then you put them into a managerial spot and yes, they're good at all the technical things that are needed in the field, but does that mean they're able to manage other safety professionals? Yeah. And a lot of times those skills don't transfer. It takes training. It takes experience. It takes mentorship to learn those things. Sometimes it even takes maturity. Sometimes it even you takes know, maturity. Yeah. I think, I think what he, I have a, a specific story when I first started working, I, I was become the new supervisor. You know, I was that guy that, Hey, you know, straight shooter, whatever you need. I got done, got done quick, faster than anybody else. And I remember my direct, I wasn't a supervisor yet, but I had one, a direct supervisor. And he said to me, what are you trying to do? Take my job. And I, and I will always remember that in my, in the back of my mind, what are you trying to do? You're trying to take my job. And I I'm kind of taken aback a little bit. And I was like, well, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do better for me, myself, my family, you know, because I know with that, with that increase in responsibility, you know, it's way different. And I, like you said, man, I was one of the most technically skilled i had all the that education i didn't have any degrees at that point but i had a lot of knowledge and i was a go-getter man i could do anything but when i was put into that that supervisor position 
man, I floundered hard. And I think that's, again, that's where I first got my introduction to real leadership. You know, I was in ROTC and Fire Academy, and we all talk about leadership all the time, but they don't actually teach you what leadership yeah. really is, and they don't give you the skill set. And it took me, you know, some time. And actually, I talked to the, the guy that, you know, introduced me to a lot of the, the books that I've read not too recently. And I, I told him, thanks again, you know, without his help, I probably would still be struggling quite a bit without the leadership aspect of safety. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say you don't work with people. And I mean, I think leaders aren't some, some people have natural abilities. Don't right. get me wrong, yeah. but, but I, th- I think it's a, it's a role that you can grow into. Um, so you can take high performers and, and also, I mean, obviously the ideal is they have the potential to form at the perform at the next level and they were a high performer. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's not to say you write off, you know, people that don't have that skill set, but we do need to train leaders of leaders to start looking at the potential mm-hmm. and not just, not just that high, not just that high performer. Cause you right. may have 10 guys at a boots on the ground level type supervisor role. Um, and you might have two or three that are, you know, kind of head and shoulders above the rest, but one of them may be that guy who's at the top of all the charts, right. but you look at the second or third option and this guy also has, you know, strong communication skills. He's, he never seems to get rattled. He's not anxious before the guys he can, you know, and you, and you start to look and say, okay, out of these two, who has the best potential to succeed at yeah. the next level? And you find that, well, maybe it wasn't the guy that you initially thought would be uh, the one to promote. Right. Yeah. I think leadership is some, some, at least some kind of education should be in all companies. You know, like you said, not just, not just saying we have a vision, not just saying we have values, but actually living them and teaching people what that, what that really means. I mean, with that said, I mean, what do you, what do you think the relationship between, you know, our world safety and then yours as operations, how do you see those two coming together under the leadership umbrella? I definitely don't believe there should be uh, any kind of, you know, dichotomy between safety and operations. Uh, it needs to be a close partnership. Um, I don't always see that that's the case. Um, I know, I know it's pretty typical to look at safety as another support group uh, alongside operations. In some ways, that characterizes them, you know, much like you know accounting or HR or, or IT. IT, Right. (laughs) And, and they can get labeled pretty quickly as just the compliance guys. Right. You know, you're just going to help us stay in line while we do our thing over here. Uh, that to me would not be a, a a world-class value driven safety culture to, to limit it to that. Right. Do I appreciate the fact that those guys are watching my back on the compliance side? Heck yes. Do I want to know all that uh, or have to have all those certifications? No way. <laughs> but um, I, I think if I think if if we were really going to be rowing together, uh, both oars in the water heading the same direction, um, there there should be a lot of intentionality about how those safety professionals interact with, especially with supervision and and project managers right. in the field. Uh, one of the ways that I could see that 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 could have been improved over the experience I've had in the last 12 or 13 years is, um, well, say, Matt, since you're here and uh, we're part of the same organization would be, you know, you know, how do we set how do we set our safety professionals up for success in terms of improvement opportunities and, and performance in the field, their interaction with the guys at the at the ground level? Um, it's been very rare where I've seen uh, an EHS lead reach out to the manager to say, how is this person performing for your business? Mm-hmm. As Because the fact of the matter is, especially you know when you get to bigger and bigger organizations, a lot of times our safety pros are reporting to somebody who doesn't get as much opportunity right. to see what they're doing on a day-to-day yeah, basis. Yeah, it's usually the safety Fire goes to safety yeah. and management goes to management. Yet really. I had I had been put in positions in the past where I had very little, if no, say in where their improvement opportunities were. So unless I just took the initiative, you know, got them in a truck, drove out to the field, and we had that conversation, it was not within my particular job description mm-hmm to be able to offer that to those guys. So, and I think that's one way that our partnerships could evolve and, and make sure that we're, um, cause you, you guys are, 
we're all we're all supporting the needs of operations, right? That's that have, is where the money is like made. Like you said, you know, one one boat, yes. you know, multiple oars, and you know, if if we're all rowing at our own different pace. I mean, I'm I'm sure that's a great great visual. You're just gonna be sitting around doing circle, doing circles. <laughs> Let's just be honest. So I mean, that's great. But what about what about things that can hurt relationships? Because I know, you know, a lot of times we talk about, like you said, I think those are great ideas where we get you know ops managers and and the people that are safety underneath them together and having that conversation and, and understanding and getting like you know we talk about alignment. You know, we both p- turn our heads to to follow that same direction. But what are the things that we should avoid doing that may actually end up hurting those relationships or end up hurting, hurting the operations or safety as a whole? I, I think, I think it's probably always best to do what we can to, to leverage our, one of, one of the things I've grown up in my, my mentality has been that operations own safety. Now we all own it, right? Right. But if my if my guys on the operations side are completely shifting responsibility to safety to do safety things, right, and they don't have that ownership mentality, then it it becomes almost like the you know the you know the kid who knows which parent to go to when they want something, <laughs> right? What? <laughs> so, no, no, there's no such thing. When you go to dad, dad always says yes, and you know, yeah, mom yeah, says whatever. no, uh-huh. and, yeah. <laughs> and we just and so we can create a, a culture where operations actually can pit uh, the guys that they're leading against safety, and but safety can do that to themselves too if they're right. not careful. So we are talking about leadership. So how do we get how do we get both both groups acting and in, in, in leading so that uh, so basically uh, the guys on the ground uh, know that mom and dad are, are unified, right? Right. <laughs> Go ask your dad. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, safety really has a, those safety professionals and their training and their education have a great opportunity to help mature, uh, the leaders that we have in the field as well, doing right along showing, I mean, they do audits, but are they doing quality audits? Are, mm-hmm. are operations guys, or would, would it be a benefit to partner up alongside and have safety kind of help them see through their eyes? Um, you know, that education, that, that would take it well beyond, you know, just a compliance-centered right. safety approach, right? It, w- it would be setting forth this vision of, okay, here's, let's define the behavior, let's, let's list the behaviors that define what a world-class safety culture looks like. And what does that look like, not just for turning wrenches on the ground, but how do we, how do we partner together and really lead safety from an operational and a safety professional perspective and do it do it holding hands right you know where we're where we're going forth together so yeah. i think you make a really good point because we always or i always harp on on this podcast is build a relationship with the guys in the field right i'm yeah. always telling that safety guys need to have that respect and that relationship with the guys that are in the field that are doing the work because if you don't have that they're never going to follow you they're never going to listen to what you're saying you're, it's going to be really hard to mentor them but i think what you're alluding to is have that relationship with supervision supervision and management yeah. management and all of that because if you don't have that relationship then you're never going to have good culture either because you need to make sure that the relationship is there from the bottom to the top that way everything can be integrated as as one unit i think that's a really good a really good point that we haven't really ever hit on on this show and i think the other advantage to that is when you when you look at who you're getting to work with on a more frequent basis uh most, I would venture to say most companies, I'm talking more industry specific here. Uh, my last company, because of the nature of the work being so much new construction and and having such a high volume of folks that were really kind of paid on the lower end of the oil field spectrum, turnover was outrageous. Yeah. You know, uh, 50% in a oh, lot wow. of years. That's pretty crazy. Ah, yes. So in that, in that particular environment, if you say, hey, we want to we march towards... Uh, this world-class safety culture, which is defined as value-driven, right? Where right. everybody's going to make the right decision, whether or not I'm there or the supervisor's mm-hmm. present. or Because the they know pre- it's the right thing to do. Because it's the right thing to do. How are you going to get there when you're constantly dealing you're with guys people, that are, yeah. you know, just fresh out of high school, no experience, you know, don't really even have a concept in their mind about what a value means and how it should play out. You're constantly going to be managing that piece. So I, I think 
learning to leverage the relationships where you don't have that turnover. Your, your, your ability to influence your organization for a long, long time is going to be directly tied to working well and maturing the leaders that are going to be in position for yeah. a long time. Right. Yep. So invest, I'm not saying don't invest in the brand new people. We've got it. I mean, there's risk there. Right. Right. But we're fooling ourselves if we think that from day one, we're automatically going to have this, uh, this world-class safety culture when you have that kind of turnover. So, so let's be smart about how we use that time and not just focus entirely in this one area, but realize that if I can duplicate the abilities of my safety professionals, you know, into the lives into of the supervisors and, managers, and, yeah. and your PICs, then you're going to have an exponentially greater effect on the culture of that workforce because they're going to be doing everything that you're you're hoping your safety professionals are doing on yeah. a daily basis to influence so. the influencers. Yes, yes. Right? And I'm, I'm, I've said it before. You know, when you in wrestling, they teach you. You know, you control the you control the head. You control the body. You know, whoever whoever is the one that's driving that culture, you gotta kind of have to grab them by the neck. I mean, not physically, but <laughs> grab them by the head yeah, and then point them the direction that we have to go. I mean, hopefully not forcefully, but you know, getting that influence. And that's one of the things I, I said, I learned pretty recently in the past year or two is that, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of just talking with the employees. I can talk to employees all day long. And like you said, if I have a turnover, cool, all that, you know, three days or four days that I've spent over, you know, the course of a couple of weeks or months is now gone. Now I have to start all over. It's not very effective. But it, like you said, if I can manage supervisors that's been there two, three, four, five years, you know, managers that have been there a long time, I know that it's going to pay dividends down the line. And I know not just that too, but, you know, while I'm on job site, I'm the influencer. I'm not going to do anything wrong because the safety guy's here. But who spends more time with the employee, the supervisors, even worse, the managers, right? So influencing them will ultimately guide the way that the employees at the bottom. Once again, I always talk about the management being being responsible for the leadership and the direction. Once once you have an ops manager, project manager, supervisor, PIC person in charge. Those are the people that are going to drive that culture a lot easier and a lot smoother. Yeah, we play our part too because we have to influence you. And I think, I think you talked about a great, great opportunity. Us, you know, getting together as a team. You know, it shouldn't be ops versus safety and safety versus ops. They should work together. Hey, how do we get? We have a problem. How do we get this? You know, effectively, quickly, and without minimizing the amount of downtime that we have. And I think I know that my experience as a safety professional, I wasn't always like that. I was like, well, we got to do it this way. Okay, well, it's not it's not always black and white. We can learn how to to smooth around, and sometimes we gotta forgive things that happen out in the field. Like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I know you screwed up, but hey, let's just move on forward and let's keep going. Why? Because we can't sit here and dwell over the fact that you you damaged some equipment. Just you know, pick up the milk. Let's keep going. You know what I mean? So I think that's it's really important. Um, so how how did you get into leadership? Like, what was your like? Did you read books? Were you? I mean, was this something that they teach you in the in the in the university that you went to? So or what was your path to being a leader? So university was a large. I mean, it began early. I think for me, um, I I grew up I grew up a preacher's kid. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which that, that may have good or bad connotations. Well, I thought, you're supposed to be, I thought you're supposed to, those people are supposed to be the bad kids, yes. right? I thought the preacher's kid were always the, the worst kids of the bunch. That 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 could have been true. Um, it has been true in in times and places. Not with me, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. One of the things, and I never really asked for it, but it it just seemed like uh, decisions gravitated towards me, um, and maybe it was just because I was the the PK, but. Uh, Early on, I was just, you know, kind of asked, hey, where are we going to go hang out? Well, since nobody will decide, I'll decide. Um, but it, I, I just found myself continuing to be put into different situations in, in you know, athletics with baseball or whatever, uh, where there was a need for somebody to stand up and lead. And for whatever reason, I, you know, I chose to take those those opportunities and run with it. Uh, so ministry, obviously a lot of, a lot of, a lot of needs present within ministry. Um, all of that training, being able to get up and as soon as you, as soon as you put yourself out there in terms of, of preaching and teaching, um, leadership follows behind it pretty quickly because if you're teaching something and not living it, 
um, it, you're not going to get too many more opportunities to, to yeah. teach and preach in most cases. True that. So, so that was kind of the start of the journey. Now, when I came out to, uh, to California, uh, obviously I, I, like I said earlier, I kind of found my lane, you know, pretty quickly where I could, I could see this, um, as an opportunity to influence a lot of people in my perspective, you know, from from ministry in the background, my perspective on wanting to be able to to grow and lead in this organization was was simply to steward the occupations of the people um, around me to the best that I could. And I thought, you know, okay, if I have it, if if I get into one of these project manager roles or operations manager roles, I'm going to have the opportunity to uh, to tell their story to customers and maintain our market share, if not grow it and right. be able to support two, three, 400 families. Right. Um, by be my, by me choosing to be responsible and do the best I could as a leader. You and can, so yeah. that was my, that was my motivation and why I kept pursuing more and more responsibility, uh, in this industry. Um, you know, the, obviously the, the, the pay was, well, I mean, course, I, let's be not, honest, you know, <laughs> hey, uh, wrong with you that. know it, you know, rising tide raises all ships. And the more I improved myself and grew, it also, you know, it helped those around me to have more opportunities, but it also gave, you know, they, again, when you surround yourself with the right people and you let them lead and do what they can do, um, it makes your life better. Not only do you, you know, uh, get to sit back on occasion. You don't have to hit, have your foot on the gas pedal, uh, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Uh, but it makes for a better life for, for your family as well. Yeah. Teach everybody in the car to drive, but a big thing, and I'll tell you, and this is free education. And I, I mean, I've been through, uh, graduate school. I've, I've paid, <laughs> I've paid for education. I would rival the education that I got driving an hour to and from work out to the oil fields for the last 12 years and not, not choosing to listen to music on, on very few of those days that I just listened to music, but I put on podcasts like, uh, entree leadership with Dave Ramsey, Brian Buffini, uh, Donald Miller does a, a marketing and leadership podcast for businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you got John Maxwell out there. You've yeah, got, I mean, John Jocko, Jocko has, I don't, I don't listen to it cause it's a little bit long, but he's got like a three hour podcast, but I like, I, I like his YouTubes. Those are yeah. a little bit more concise and it's, it's yeah, not to be mean, but he kind of, he kind of rambles on a little bit and he, yeah, he, all, all those people have really great books too. You yeah. know, when you have free time, I have, I mean, I, I've already said it on the podcast, I have probably 15, 20 different ones easily. But the cool thing about these is you're, you're hearing from the world's greatest leaders yeah. on a regular basis. Uh, you know, Jim Collins and um, Patrick Lencioni. And I mean, just every author, if, if there's a New York Times bestseller book out there on the on the business in the business arena or leadership arena, you're going to find them on probably all, all of these some podcasts, podcasts at yeah. some point. So I've listened to most of them four or five, six times. And after 12 years of it, it's like, you know, Seth Godin talks about the drip, right? Yep. You know, and it's, it just became one of those daily habits. And all of a sudden I was, I would find myself sitting in meetings or watching things un, unfold around me in the organizations. And I would see a leader do or say something or, or implement something. And I, I, could, I got to the point where I could immediately sense you know, have a good idea on what that input into the system was going to create in terms yep. of an output. And I started scratching my head. I said, you know, I think, I, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm starting to figure out <laughs> this, this leadership thing. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, and not that you ever arrive. I would never claim to say no. that I figured, figured it out, but I realized that after that amount of time and, and the experiences within ministry and now oil and gas that, uh, you know, I had had my, my finger on the pulse of a few strategies that I think work. So, well, that's oh, cool. That's yeah, like I said, I've I've told people, you know, it's it's a long journey. Like I said, mine mine started in 2012, and I still to this day, and well, I'm not every single day, but even in the the you know, I'm taking my MBA right now, and I'm just taking a marketing class, and everything that you're saying about you know values and understanding how leadership impacts all these different small little things in in companies. You know, it's, it's sad to say, but I've, I've noticed, you know, some, some of the companies I've worked for weren't, weren't really all that great with leadership. And it's sad because, you know, when hard times come, you can see the real character out of people. And I think that's, that's what I've always told people as a leader, 
you know, we're all going to struggle. I mean, I'm sure even to this day, you and I, Matt, we all have our, our fumbles, you know, we're, but I, I, I've always told, I, I, I kind of stole this from Maxwell is it's, it's, you know, it's currency, you know, if you put enough money into the bank, you know, yeah, you took a $10 hit. Yeah. I made, I made a big mistake, but people will forgive you because you have two, $300 in that leadership bank and they will follow you. And I've seen it as far as leadership within large companies, you know, we have a high, like you said, a high potential employee and he's got that leadership, but because management is scared, they feel threatened. They're going to suppress. Oh, I don't, I don't want this guy to make me look bad. You're trying to make me look bad. Like I said before, you're trying to take my job. No, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to excel. I'm trying to do what's best for the company, but they don't see it like that. They say it's a threat to their position. And then you see that person move on to another company and it's, it's a night and day. These guys grow wings and they just fly for days. And yep. I think for me, that's kind of, that's like, it's like a breath of fresh air. Like, Oh wow. You finally got your opportunity to fly. You got into an organization that recognizes what true leadership can do and how it can impact a, a business. Because at the end of the day, it is a business. We all want to make money, but if we're not focusing, you know, on the customer, our employees taking care of that customer, then eventually down the road, you know, we make bad decisions because we're looking out for the company. And that's one thing that, I've had an issue with my last company was that they were focused on the, the company, the company, the company, the company. Cool. But who's looking out for the employee? Yeah. Because if no one is looking out for the employee, they're not gonna look out for the customers. I mean, there's hundreds of different, you know, strategies or not strategies, but companies out there you can look up, you know, when the companies, the CEOs, the managers push down on the employees, the employees are like, well, I have to keep my job. I guess I have to do, you know, I hate to say unethical behaviors, but, you know, things like, you know, uh, Enron and, you know, American Airlines, um, Wells Fargo, all these companies, you know, not to be mean and sit there and blast, put them on blast because I know they're huge companies, but, you know, they they put the employee into a position where they have to look out for the company. Yeah, the employee or the, the customer has some kind of concern, Rather than addressing it, we're going to, we have to, oh, I'll have to follow policy. Uh, no, I, ha I have to do what I say because at the end of the day, if it's, it's them, they're going to get the ax if they don't follow the policy rather yeah. than take care of the customers. Yeah. And you know, obviously in the ops position, the customer is the one you want to keep happy because, you know, <clears throat> we're talking millions and millions of dollars, if not more, you know, tens of millions of dollars for projects, you know, and if we're not getting those because the customer doesn't feel like we're taking care of them, then you find yourself into in, in some of these other companies that are struggling right now because their values weren't being followed. Yeah, and my, my perspective has always been that, that profit is a reward for taking care of your people who will take care of your customer. And when your customer's happy, you're, you're going to, you're, you're going to have the revenue, right? Yeah. So, and we get it so backwards by being so customer focused because I've seen it where, you know, we're so customer focused, we'll bend over backwards to everything that they ask. But we in, in trying to implement their requests, we're, we're beating, you know, we're beating the crap out of our team. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it just makes so much more sense to me to think, OK, one, I can't touch every customer that I that I have. Right. And not in the position that I'm in. So why not have motivated, highly trained, happy individuals working for you to take care of those customers. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you get that? You don't get that by stomping on them, right? So. No. I I think a good colleague of mine gave me a great book and you know, I've been to Starbucks, man, tons of time I own their stock, all that stuff. But she gave me a book when I graduated. She goes, Joe, I know you like leadership a lot. Here, read this book. And it had nothing to do with leadership. It was all just a Starbucks book and how Starbucks got started and how they've developed their culture over time. And it's just like when I worked at the hotel, worked for the Marriott, they put a focus on their employees because they know a happy employee equals happy customers. Happy customers come back. That's why when you walk into a Starbucks, people are like, hey, how's it going? you know, they made a mistake. You know, I don't really care. Cause I'm, I'm just like, whatever, just give me a drink. And it's got caffeine in it. Cool. But I know some people are very particular. Like, no, I like only skim milk and soy milk and half calf lattes and all this other crazy stuff. But I've seen it where people are afraid. Oh, well they make, they made a mistake on my, on my order. Okay. We'll go back and tell them I can do that. And I think that's the culture. A lot of people have is, you know, the customer's always wrong, but Starbucks, they, oh, oh, we messed up. Oh, don't worry about it. What do you want? How do I make this better? Mm -hmm. They all, they all feel empowered. I remember a time where we went to one Starbucks 
and we were traveling as a group and went to another uh, we were actually driving down the street and one of the persons goes man this tastes like crap okay well there's another starbucks and, I, and they're like oh i'm kind of afraid don't worry i got you step up hey uh, we got a starbucks at another location and it didn't taste good is there a way you guys can fix it and the guy's like don't worry about it we will take care of it and i was i was i mean i was yeah. kind of blown away even though i kind of expected it but you just don't see that level of customer mm-hmm. service anymore. And that's what's going to drive those. Hey, I'm, I'd rather go to Starbucks any day than any of these other restaurants, just because I know that if I go to Starbucks, they're going to take care of me. They're going to welcome me. And if you have that with your company, whatever you do, right. If, if it's building pipelines or, or you're working with cranes or whatever it is that your company does, if you make your customer happy, they're going to always use you first. Yeah. And, and you, you gotta, you gotta look long-term too. They're looking at the lifetime value of a customer. They're not looking about profiting yeah. on that one sale. You know, they can, you know, they could fix three orders in a row that were messed up and it would still be worth it to them because they're looking at your life, the lifetime value of your commitment as a customer. Yeah. I'm going to come back over and over. And even though I, I, I'm not a big fan of their breakfast, oh man, they have, they have a decent breakfast, eggs and, <laughs> and cheese. And, and they have this little, I don't know. It's like a little cracker with a little peanut butter on top. I'm like, it's not the greatest breakfast, but you know, what? I'd rather spend my money there because I feel welcome. I, I get the, that hit of dopamine as soon as I walk yes. through the door. Cause I know, you know, it's all chemical. Uh, it's all chemicals to us. But yeah, you know, taking care of your employees. Well, look at look at Chick Fil A. They probably pay better than any other fast food <laughs> restaurant out there. In and Out is probably pretty close to it. Yes, they they shut down seventeen or eighteen percent of their possible working hours by not working on Sunday, and they are still the most profitable franchise per store yeah. in the nation. Yeah, and. Most people would argue that the, all those elements couldn't come together, and you get that kind of profit. Um, they're they're proving it wrong. Last time, last I checked, I'm sure Starbucks is not doing. Starbucks too bad. is great. I mean, <laughs> it's like I said, all these cust- all these customer focus or employee focus company, not customer, because they know focus on the employee. The employee will take other customers. So, so here's the challenge, and what I would challenge any of their leaders in any of the organizations is what ask ask yourself, what are you measuring? Right. Uh, you know because the what what we're trying to it's much more difficult to quantify the the financial value of a healthy culture Amen right to that brother and it, it's there you can get it but it's not the same as right forcing a welder to weld more inches yeah. and it equals to this kind of profit that's real black and white easy to measure yeah but i think we we owe it to our teams and our customers and the industry to do the hard work of, of understanding what does it mean when our people are happy? What does it mean when we have reduced turnover, when we're not having to retrain everything every week? Yeah, that's probably, um, that's probably where you can there, easily there's start. Where you get, Just there's, training alone. Since this being you. a safety podcast, imagine, imagine what your safety record uh, could be, not just in terms of a recordable rate, but just no incidents period. Right. Um, if you, if you were able to have a workforce that you got to work with on a regular basis because they loved coming to work. Yeah. Cause they feel welcome. That's that's awesome. So besides podcasts, I mean, what other tips would you give our listeners on on how how they can develop their leadership, especially if they've either never been in a leadership, uh, excuse me, leadership position or if they maybe like like we had a couple of you know people ask us before is they're having trouble with people, you know, following stop work authority or they're having issues with people speaking up as far as safety issues. Like, how do we get them to step up to the next level of, of leadership? What should they, what, what are some good tips for them? I think you're talking about leaders of leader of men. Yeah. Um, or like in, you're talking about safety. Like, it's like safety. I mean, obviously yeah. it's a safety um, podcast and not to take ops out of this, but we obviously we yeah. want the majority of the people are going to be listening are mostly either safety people or maybe even supervisors. How do we give them the tools to, to lead others? Like what are some good some good tips or resources? I, th- I think one of, one of your best resources is probably right there in the organization with you, and that's finding you know finding a, a you can learn from anybody. I'm not saying True. that you may not have the perfect leader there, but there's somebody that's had more experience and more interactions in the area that you need help than than you do, right? So really coming at it from a perspective of humility to say, hey Matt, why don't can you come yeah, here? Don't use Matt as an example. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joe, can you come alongside? I'm the worst example. 
Uh, so like identify a mentor. Player to be named later. Will you come along? And, uh, <laughs> you know, j- just asking for that second set of eyes. Um, I know one of the things that, um, for me, I, I love talking leadership and I love uh, being able to speak into other people's lives. And so to have somebody come and say, hey, I had this conversation this morning with this guy. Uh, I could see he was a little bit on the defensive you know, how would you have handled it? Or did I handle it well? And then what should I do from this point going forward? I mean, just find having enough humility to ask those questions and try to have somebody else speak into your life is it's something I I just, I I don't think that we take advantage of that on a regular basis. We don't ask for help. We, We we're paid. And I think most of our mindsets are we're paid to do a job. We should know how to do that job, do it and go home. Right. Um, but if we truly have a growth mindset and wanting to get better, we'll, we'll leverage any, anybody and anything yeah. around us to try to try to understand and grow better. So that that's one. Um, there are, I think whether that's in your organization or outside of your organization, I think every leader needs, needs a coach or a mentor. Yeah. Um, if you have the financial means of, of going out there and looking at, at some other coaching programs, um, and maybe it's just an online, you know, paid for resource that just, you can, you can watch videos. I've, I've done, uh, here recently I've signed up to be, uh, on the Jack, John Maxwell team. Oh, wow. Um, so I don't, I'm not certified yet. Um, but at the culmination of basically me paying them what they want me to pay them. <laughs> So, I'll be so it's, like a CPR, it's like a CPR certification. Here's three hundred dollars. Cool. Guess what? Here's your card. But there's lifetime access to hundreds of hours worth of material and templates and resources. Yeah, know. I love the Max. Like I said, I was that's where my first yeah. my first introduction was through the Maxwell, and I was like, "What Maxwell?" And now I have all of the books, and I I recommend it to other people too. Here, have you read this? No. Here you go. There's a gal in town, Sue Watson, that we use at KBA. She runs business initiatives as a consultant, and I sat through six days of training with her this spring, and I'm telling you, it was some of the best training I've ever had, and uh, and it really sticks with you, and it's and it's practical, and you know, so there's you just have to you just have to take the time uh, to to dig and explore and ask you know ask for references, right? You know, yeah. some. I've just given you one. I would refer Sue Watson to you any day of the week. Uh, she's she's a pretty incredible trainer. So yeah, being a leader, I th- I always tell people being a leader is a commitment. It's not something that, like you said, you just arrive at one day. Cool, I'm the leader. That's it. No more. No, it's it's continue learning how to grow. And there's always curveballs thrown at at people that have to make these bad these bad decisions. You know, okay, well, how do I how do I leverage my my leadership and doing things I don't want to do? You yeah. know, and I I know some people that I've had I've had to write up, you know, hey, you didn't follow the policy. And I tell people you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. It's just how you do it. Yeah. And I think if you have that leadership potential, you can literally make a bad situation into a good one. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking out for the people that you you care about. Like, hey man, it's like a kid, right? all kids are going to get into trouble once in a while. You know, is it in the end, is it the end of the world? No, but you have to be, Hey, I have to be a parent. I have to be stern. I have to teach you a life lesson now. And it sucks, but I know that you're going to grow from it. And if you, if you spin it to that side, rather I'm punishing you because you did something bad. No, no, you know what? You, you missed the mark. This is how we fix it. That's, that's what changes the mindset of the people. And, you know, I've, I've said it before. I've met a lot of people that have been written up a lot. I've been written up a bunch, but I deserve every, every write up I've ever got. But, um, I know some people that, you know, maybe the manager had a vendetta out for them and they would write them up constantly, you know, just, it's obvious. And I tell them, well, what was the point of the write up? Was it because you missed the mark? No, it's because they wanted me out of the organization. So even though, even though it's the same thing, right? The write up's a write up. It's not the write up. It's the message that you're sending. And I think that at the end of this, at the end of the day, that's what leadership is about. It's about sending that message like, Hey, we care about you. We're trying to, yeah, sometimes you miss the mark. Hey, you're like your kid. Hey, yeah, you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be jumping off that, you know, let's continue. Hey, it's a bump in the road and we'll, we'll forget about it. Yeah. And, and a good leader, there should be write-ups. I mean, there yeah. should be those kind of heavy conversations, but it should be done in such a way that, the person receiving that knows that you're, and it's sometimes it's I, when I've done that, it's been like, okay, this is the first time in the history of my time with this company that someone's actually told me clearly what the expectations are. Right. And so, but if you couch it in terms of, you know, this may sound like a negative, but 
this is really about your personal growth and development. And yeah. I want you, could we say, I want you to get to the next level. I want you to be here. Currently you're here. And I'm, I'm telling you based on my experience, if you do ABC, you're, you're going to, you're going to get, this company is going to get what they need from you. And it. you're going to get even more than you could imagine right now. So, yeah. and, and it just takes those, it, it takes the, the leader has to spend a little bit of extra time couching the conversation in terms of the big picture. Yeah. Not just saying you need to do this because it's the rules of the organization. Right. But why lead, lead with the lead why, with the why not yeah. with the policy. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I know that my, I learned that that was a really good lesson. I learned at my last job is they would learn, they would policy, 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 policy. People don't give a crap about policy. No. Okay. So you have a bunch of words written on a piece of paper. Cool. So, right. Yep. But yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. I'm, I have to, I do have to recommend one book. And I, I forgot the name of it. I want to say it's the box. It's been a long time, but it's, it's a, uh, it's the book called the box. And again, it's one of the first ones that I ever actually ran into. Um, when I was dealing with the guy that told me, Oh, you're trying to take my job. And the idea is that when we deal with people, we put them in these little boxes. And then if, you know, we're, we're trying to put them into, you know, I hate to say a box, but it's, they say it's a box, but you're, you're treating them like an other, right? Rather than seeing them for their humanity, you're treating them like, Oh, you're just a, you're just a, uh, a roadblock. You're in my way. And me and, like I said, me and the supervisor, we clashed heads a lot. We would always be like, I'm better. No, you're better. No, this is better. And we would, you know, we just butted heads. And once I read that book, then I realized that, oh, the reason why I act this way to you is because I don't see you as a human. I see you as an adversary. I see you as a roadblock to my progress and my success. And once you see the humanity in people, it kind of frees you up. And like I said, the book is actually really good because it's like some lady and she like messes up because she becomes a, a new leader. And like I said, I, I reflect that to what I was doing. I was a new supervisor. And so I was trying to lead and I was leading. I'll be honest. I was the worst leader ever. I honestly, I'll be, I'll tell people, I was that guy that made people want to quit. I was like that at one point. Um, it wasn't until after I started reading those books that, you know, I had my aha moment. I was like, wow, okay, this stuff, it really does. I, I, I literally turned one of the, my employees that hated my guts because I was such a, a, a jerk to him into one of my best friends. He goes, dude, I still remember when you were jerked to me on the job site because you were a new supervisor and, you know, you let the power go to your head, all that kind of stuff. That was me. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of humbling when I talk to him. I was like, yeah, man, I did you wrong. I'm sorry, man. And, you know, still to this day, I mean, it was, like I said, eight years ago now, but, you know, me and him, do we we talk on the constant basis? Hi, how's it going? And you can turn, you know, somebody who doesn't like you into your best friend easily. Yep. A couple, uh, since you brought up books, I've got a couple and then uh, okay. we'll I'm sure we need to, huh? I said then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Uh, the Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. It's, okay, it's yeah. kind of a narrative, but you know, when you're looking, and this goes all the way to your hiring process and who yes. you bring aboard, having somebody that's hungry, humble, and and smart in terms of EQ, you know, your, your self-awareness, yeah. uh, the culture code by Daniel Coyle. I haven't heard that one. He did a, an amazing job researching, uh, really teams, high performing teams. Um, like, uh, it, it just really looks at data from an interesting perspective, but he, he finds some cultures out there that existed in some high caliber teams and digs into why, they created this dynasty and, and it's pretty surprising. Um, one quick, quick illustration out of there is, is one of the teams that, that stood above the rest was the San Antonio Spurs. And he talked about the relationship of that coach. Um, and I'm drawing a blank. I'm trying to, um, I'm not a basketball fan, but with Tim Duncan, you know, Tim Duncan's mm -hmm. name, but when he was recruiting him before he was drafted, uh, he went down, uh, Tim was from the U.S. Virgin Islands, I believe, and he went and spent a week with him, swimming in the ocean, hanging out, getting to know his family. Uh, never once did he ask or mention anything about basketball in the, in that week. But he so he just spins off on some of that that it's just so much of what we think we have to be doing in order to be the best. There, there's there. If we would kind of relax our grip a little bit, we would find that the counterintuitive approach actually leads us to greater results than trying to put a stranglehold on right. everything, right? So yep. I found that that book to me was fascinating. And then anything by Simon Sinek is, is yeah, really Sinek great. Yeah, Sinek is good, yeah. 
he his last one I think came out last fall called the Infinite Game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he man. You want to talk about a growth mindset? Oh my god! Yeah. I think that was. Have you ever heard that? The Infinite Game, where he talks about you know the finite game versus. Okay, first thing, if you have never heard that, go on YouTube and it is the most amazing, amazing conversation. Do I swear, God? I I I quote that specific whole like message all the time about the buffalo and the circle and oh man the the finite verse of infinite game oh my god life-changing life-changing oh and the book that i was i was trying to quote earlier is leadership and self-deception getting out of the box okay that's okay. what it was i haven't read that one I have yeah to check that's that a good out, one so. it's it goes along the the lynchoni one yeah but yeah, all on Amazon. I just I just put the 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 code. I just put that into uh, my Amazon queue, and it'll be on my way soon. So I'll start reading that book, and yeah, yeah, definitely check out that Simon Sinek one, Matt. It'll it'll change your it'll change your life. You're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> so I think we covered a lot of a lot of leaderships. I'm sure we can go on for hours. Yeah. And episodes about leadership. I mean, there's whole multiple podcasts dedicated to it. But- um, is there any, is there anybody you want to, if like somebody wants to reach out to you and maybe ask you a question about leadership or, or something like that, is there a way they could do that? Yeah, I think, uh, probably the best way is just my email, uh, the journey 24 at gmail.com. Um, I'm, my desire is just to help as many people as possible in this world. So for something that you've heard here that you want to explore deeper with me, um, reach out to me through that email and I'd be happy to start a conversation with you. So. Awesome. The journey 24. What about us, Joe? What? How can they reach us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the culture, at, uh, the culture of safety at gmail.com. Uh, we have a, a subreddit now, uh, the, the culture of, of safety. safety. We also have an Instagram. We're getting lots of likes. If you guys like memes, you guys like interesting, not boring safety memes. I know that's something that a lot of people <laughs> um, aren't very good at, but I've been I've spent like half my existence making memes, and yeah. So they're, uh, what, what's our Instagram uh, at? Uh, the popular safety guys. So that's our Instagram. And I know we have a Facebook as well. So, you know, obviously we're growing the brand. And if you guys like what we have, just send us a shout out. Hey, we like this. Uh, we have actually, we talked about this a couple of weeks uh, ago or episodes ago is, you know, reach out to us and we'll get you out here on the, on the podcast, you know? So like I said, it's not just, it's just not just you, uh, you and me, man. It's, it's about other people and their, their perspective and giving them the voice. And I think that's, that's what we're about. And that's why I like, that's why I like doing this. Yep. We get to learn from other people. Exactly. That's yeah. the whole point. So it's, free. <laughs> it's free. It's <laughs> free. All right. Well, thank you for coming in today, Doug. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. it was yes, a sir. Joy. All right. Bye, Matt. Bye. Jerk. <laughs>